0: Welcome to another episode of the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Brandon. And on today's episode, we welcome on a very special guest, Jared Palmgren, from campus to Canton. He hosts a podcast for them called Chasing the Natty, all things college fantasy football there for Jared. And he was the perfect guest to have on to talk about some of the deep sleepers from, well, not from, but for this upcoming draft now most of the guys we talk about are probably going to be undrafted free agents but they were guys that i thought were worth talking about to a certain extent just because it's interesting to hear perspectives on players that might not even go drafted more or less weren't even invited to the combine so we take some time to do a deep dive into the who those guys are i hope you all enjoy it and i hope you all check out jared's stuff you know, and and campus to Canton because it's it's an interesting fantasy football world out there. And campus to De Canton definitely takes things to the nth degree with the Devi leagues and the campus to Canton leagues. Maybe you'll catch me doing one someday. I don't know if I'm there yet. I want to focus on what I've always enjoyed with fantasy football, but that's an interesting world that you could you, you could dive into. Essentially, the way those guys do it. Those guys are fantasy football from. The moment that those guys are college recruits to when they retire in the NFL. So it's interesting stuff, um, but wholesome content nonetheless. Great group over there at Campus DeCanton. I recommend checking them out. As always, we're brought to you by Phantom Sports Industries. Join us at phantomsportsindustries.com for all your sports section needs on the internet. We have stories about all your favorite leagues. This week, wrapping up March Madness, we had LSU winning on the women's side uconn winning on the men's side congrats to both those programs and now the crazy part of the transfer portal season begins for college basketball and uh we have baseball starting up we also have of stories about wwe ufc racing all of those things as well if you have your favorite sport i'm sure we have something there for you at phantomsportsindustries.com so check us out there and check out some of the other podcasts this week I'll be hopping on a few other ones. We'll be hopping on odds on favorite. And we'll be doing a mock draft on Simon Shorts podcast. So shout out Robertson and Simon for hopping on those. So if you want some more of me in your podcast this week, hop on those shows. They'll be they'll be a good they'll be a great time. We've got a couple of the Phantom folks. Um, hopping on those shows so it should be a great time but without further ado we're going to hop into this episode with jared and hope you all enjoy i'm gonna hit this intro and i'll see you on the other side with jared Welcome, everybody, back to the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast, always brought to you by Phantom Sports Industries, joining me today on the podcast to talk about some of the less, I wouldn't say lesser, but it kind of is that way. I just wanted to talk about players that didn't make it to the Combine, still could potentially get drafted, just so everybody's aware of them in their rookie drafts coming up in You know, post post NFL draft. And Jared Palmgren is joining me. He is from campus to Canton. And if you want to go down a fantasy wormhole that I never thought existed, until I ran into these guys, you got to check them out campus to Canton.com. They take fantasy football to levels that I didn't even know existed. But it's all fun. It's all a part of the game. You got to check them out. We'll let Jared talk about what Campus to Canton is a little bit later. But Jared, first off, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Brandon. Again, this is fun. I, I, I enjoy coming
1: on to different shows. Like typically, I'm mostly on the college football side of things. But, you know, it's not often I get invited on to talk about guys going to the NFL.
0: I know. It, it, it's just one of those things, though, where I wanted somebody that was more integrated in the college side of the equation to talk about some of these gems in the NFL draft because I'm a I'm I'm a pretty big college football fan but as I've told the audience I had a daughter that was born in the middle of the college football season so I didn't have the bandwidth to absorb as much as I would normally like to so I had was limited to my badgers on Saturdays um but you know I still had my pulse on how things were going um Because I was playing fantasy college football for the first time in a couple of years, and I'm just excited to talk about some of these diamonds in the rough. And so, without further ado, you sent me uh, a couple of guys that you really want to touch on, and um, let's let's get into it. Starting with quarterbacks who who do you see potentially getting on an NFL roster, at least you know the big roster for the preseasons, and even potentially sneaking in as a backup. You know, we sometimes get surprises i mean look at all the wku guys that are now in the nfl backing up uh starters like mike white coming out there bailey Zappi. those weren't names that we necessarily would have expected and i i think that it's good to shine some light on some of these guys that um that we don't know as much about but could end up on nfl rosters
1: so I think it's important for us to provide some serious context in terms of the types of players that we are talking about here. We're You, you sent me the requirement that, because initially I thought you were talking about like some under the radar guys. I'm like, all right, let's talk about Trey Palmer. Let's talk about Dwayne McBride. And then But then you said, didn't get invited to the NFL combine. I'm like, okay, so we're going real, real deep here, which is great. It's great. We get to shine some light on some guys here that are going to be pretty fun to talk about here, but let's be real if you're in a di- if you're in an NFL dynasty league you're going to your rookie drafts most of these guys that we're going to talk about here today are more than likely going undrafted if they didn't even make it to the NFL combine they're pretty much already undrafted now like Brendan said there are plenty of guys that we have seen just come out of nowhere that weren't invited to the NFL combine and then they get drafted in the 7th round and suddenly if a within one or two years out of nowhere they're a starter so yeah, like you said, Brendan, we got a couple of guys here that I can talk about here. And you want to start a quarterback? The three players at quarterback that I kind of listed, really what I did is I went to the top of the college football fantasy list and kind of looked at who are the guys that are leaving and who are the ones that put up the most college fantasy points. Because again, those are the ones that are most fun to talk about. I want to shine some light on them. But most of the time, these guys are like, At this point, six seventh-year players. There's a reason why they haven't left for the NFL by this point. So the first name I can bring up here that some of your listeners who casually follow college football might be familiar with, again, it's been a couple years since he's really been in the limelight, is Chase Bryce. You might recognize that name when he was at Clemson. This was back when Trevor Lawrence basically took the job over from Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant would then go on to transfer out. But one game into Trevor Lawrence's time as a starter, he goes down against Syracuse. They start losing against Syracuse. And Chase Bryce is brought in to relieve Trevor Lawrence after Lawrence gets injured. And he basically leads a comeback for the Tigers. It preserves their undefeated season. And basically, I don't think it was that year, but the year after he transfers out, goes down to Duke for a season. Does all right, but like clearly wasn't super... Happy with where he's at. Transfers again. Goes to Appalachian State. Stays over two years. Pretty productive over there with the Mountaineers this past season. through for almost three thousand yards and twenty-seven touchdowns. Also got a couple of touchdowns on the ground. He strikes me as one of those guys that, again, not a high ceiling whatsoever. Like, like I said, these are these are guys that were probably like it is a one in a million chance that these guys are ever truly guys that will be starting at an NFL light but he was for a while like that safe floor option for the tigers went to duke provided a safe floor there and then at Appalachian state went down a level went down to the group of five conferences and he lit it up over there
0: yeah and one thing he did it of, over two, he did that? it over two seasons too 27 touchdowns yeah. over three thousand yards in 2021 so uh he, he hit the production there very similar to what we saw from bailey Zappi or um, or my It wasn't point. quite Bailey's Zabby level. Bailey was just a different true, level. True. Man. I know, I know. But you know what I mean. Like small school level, you know, lighting it up from a production standpoint. Yeah. yeah.
1: He knew how to run the offense well. Again, he was a safe option for that coaching staff. I, I'm interested to see what they do to replace him this year. Because like I said, he was just a steady hand for them the last two years. Like got, got the Mountaineers plenty of wins. Here's what I'll ask you, Brandon. Chase Bryce was drafted in the USFL as one of their quarterbacks for this year. What do you think about the USFL um, doing their draft before even the NFL
0: draft comes around? I'd say that it's a ballsy move on their end. um, But I kind of respect it because I think the USFL and the XFL, they know who they are. And they're not going to go drafting the John Robinsons and those top-tier NFL draft picks, but to at least maybe give some of these guys, hey, Clayton Toon, I I know you went to the Combine, but I don't know if you're going to necessarily be playing meaningful football. Obviously, you have the opportunity to make the check of a lifetime, but if you want to actually play and put some more film out there, why not? You know, like, it's it's just an opportunity to put more film out there. And, uh, you know, maybe for some of these guys make a little extra money outside of that. But um, I don't know. It, it's an interesting move. We'll see what the NFL says about it at the end of the day, though. they They could they could come down on it for sure. I can agree with you that the XFL
1: knows who they are. Now, Granted, they just got started and everything. I don't know where, when they plan on having their draft, but like, it just makes more sense to me for the USFL to have their draft after after the NFL draft, because there's a whole player pool of players that don't get drafted. And normally you would see them go as undrafted free agents at that point. But that's when you can make the pitch to those guys. That's when you can say like, Hey, you didn't. You didn't get drafted. I think it's a very different pitch if you go up to them and say, "Hey, I don't think you're going to get drafted," because they drafted guys sure. like Keaton Mitchell, Tyler Scott. Like these are guys that, like, again, would I be surprised if they went undrafted? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of actually. But like, were, if would I be surprised if they didn't meet the lofty expectations that some people have for them to go day two? Yeah, probably. But it it feels like a really really weird move on their part to try to guess. Who's gonna be going to the NFL? Who's not? It feels like a bad move on their part. I don't know. Total tangent there, but I brought it up because no, I, I remember that Chase Bryce got drafted. It's a good,
0: there. No, it's it's a good, it's a fair question to ask because and, and I and I do agree. I think uh, now that you now that you bring it to that level, I think aftermath is way better because then you're giving the guy and his and his potential agent or and his family some options to weigh. Do I go do the yeah. practice squad life or? Which, which is also rigorous and just doing a whole bunch more like just combine like drills to even get on a practice squad. Or do I go actually play games, have that, you know, that team camaraderie and get to just put some more film out there? Uh, it's a it's 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 definitely, I think, a fair a fair shake and uh, something that players are going to have the opportunity to weigh as more of these leagues come into the fold. Um, as a semi-pro alternative to the NFL, I I I th- I think it. I would agree though. They should really do it after now that you say that.
1: Yeah, because again, I, there's no way the USFL, as much as they might want to do the bravado of saying like, "Oh, we'll compete with the NFL." No, no the you're, not. you're not. Yeah, you got it. You got eight teams, and you're a year old. Like, at least if you build a product that grows over years and years, and then you want to try to take on the NFL in terms of putting your draft before them and stuff like that, that makes a lot more sense. But for right now, it just feels like bad decision making. Yep, I would agree. All right, who's our next quarterback? Next quarterbacks, again, I don't think either one of these next two guys that I'm going to say are particularly or are, are just, they're just not good quarterbacks. Uh-huh. They're just not good players overall. So I would be, I would say that this is less than a one chase Bryce I can legitimately see getting drafted by somebody in like the seventh round and then being like the third or fourth option on the depth chart. These other two guys are just not very good passers in general. And really the thing about college fantasy football, and we can, we'll talk about this later. I think yeah. when you kind of let me talk about what campus of Canton, all this is about. System 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 is everything, yeah. so like you get guys who put up monster numbers, but they're not very good quarterbacks because they're just asked to throw the ball a ton uh for example, we'll go to Kyle van the quarterback out of Georgia Southern here. he spent five years at Buffalo, really didn't ever do anything over there, and it's the Mac. The Mac is just not good it's just not a very tough football conference in general. It's fun for us because they put up monster numbers against each other, but even over there he wasn't doing anything. But then he goes one year to Georgia Southern, goes to Clay Helton with an air raid system over there. He passed the ball 604 times last year. That's a monster passing number for an NFL team after six, 17 games. He did that in 12 games and threw for over 4,000 yards and 27 touchdowns. Again, I don't think that he's going to be a, I don't think he's be an NFL guy whatsoever, but I think... Sometimes when you are in these late rookie round drafts, and like if you're going, if you are doing it like a deeper rookie draft, sometimes just go for the guys that have proven that they can handle volume. Go for guys that seem like that they've at least had one year of success, even if it was their last year. So I think there's worse players you could take than Kyle Van but again, I'm not I'm not beating the drum over here. Just more of showing off some guys that did some good stuff. Yeah. Your thoughts on it, I've Brandon? I
0: Found Georgia Southern to be one of the more entertaining uh, mid-major schools, and I'm I'm loving some of these teams that are coming up to the FBS level, just because it, it's it's kind of the concept that that we we apply to like backup quarterbacks in the NFL, like kind of the Brock Purdies this year. You, mm-hmm. you you don't know until you know like you you don't know you're bad yet you it you, you, it just hasn't resonated with you because you're and i think one one thing that i'm really interested in that i want to dive more into from the college football standpoint and i think that saint thomas university in minnesota has proven this that the bottom level of the fbs is not much different than the top tier of Division 3 college football. I don't well, uh, Division 3 meaning FCS. No, Division 3 as in like Mountain Union, UW-Whitewater. I think I I think mm, I wouldn't go that I far. Th- I can I can t- I can ag- I could agree with you that the
1: top level of FCS is not that much different than FBS. I mean, look at James Madison this past mm-hmm. year. They came in almost immediately and if there wasn't a rule barring them from competing for the conference championship their very first year they would have been
0: the conference championship with the Sun Belt already last right. year so I, I agree with you on that point well so where i'm coming from is this test case study of the university of st thomas minnesota who made the jump from d3 to fcs in like one and a half years and they're in their second season in the pioneer conference and they already have a winning record so, and I know that they're based in the twin cities location has a lot to do with it. If you have a big recruiting base, normally it's not as difficult of, of a transition, but they hopped division two programs as a division three program to the FCS. They fast-tracked it because they got an invitation and they were able to that. I don't, like I said, it, it's, it's beneficial. They're in the twin cities. Kids want to transfer home. You know, it's a commuter campus, but yeah i i think that there's a test case where some of these top fcs schools and the bottom shelf of the fbs there's not much difference and i wish that i think the fbs it's going to there i think a relegation type thing is going to happen eventually because the top is only going to get better and more concentrated and the bottom is just going to keep fluctuating, uh, and I and, and I don't know what what that's going to look like down the line for college football. But we can't keep adding these like these FCS schools to Power Five conferences, or well, not Power Five, but well, you know, to the mid-major group of, group of five conferences all the time, every year. It just isn't feasible. So I'll agree and disagree okay. with you. I agree with
1: you one hundred percent that the top tier is definitely moving away from the bottom tier Uh, again just look at what the sec and big 10 are doing right now big 12 pac-12 and acc are all fighting to stay alive right now they know at any moment if either one of the sec or big 10 comes calling to their schools that basically they're completely out of their depth in terms of negotiations there so i agree with you there. I would love to see a relegation system of some kind in college football. In fact, again, I've kind of pl- I've I like laid this sure. out before where I think like you you attach you attach every group of 5 conference with like a Power 5 conference, so like SEC and some belt, MAC and Big 10 or something like that. It's like the worst team in the in the Power 5 conference gets relegated <laughs> to the Group of 5 conference the next year. Group of 5 conference winner goes up to the Power 5 conference. I think that would be a ton of fun. I agree with you 100%. I have no idea how that gets done, especially with like the NCAA has gotten weaker and weaker with its enforcements every single year. Like, let's be real. The conferences themselves have way more power than the actual national organization does. So I am skeptical that we could see something as good of an idea as a relegation system, because there's no money to be really made in that as far as I tell. Well,
0: I think, I think if you did it with the group of five, with the, with the with the group of five and the FCS that could, now now that could be fun where like the winner of the FCS playoffs gets a gets a shot you know it, it, I just think I just mm-hmm. think something like that could be fun at the FCS um, group of five level the the Power Five the SEC and the Big Ten they're not even looking at the ACC Pac twelve and um, Big Twelve as competition anymore. Big 12 might as well be the American Athletic Conference at this point. They're going to be the new version of that, essentially. That's the direction they're going towards. And the American will become Group of Five and be where they belong. They've just happened to have some outliers that... Are from big metro areas that have successful recruiting grounds and they're able to thrive. Mm -hmm. And this is why I was so surprised that it took Houston and UCF this long to move into a Power Five conference because of how big those universities are for one, and two, just huge recruiting pockets. And well, there is a period over the last couple of years where
1: there almost seemed like there was an equilibrium that had been reached in the college football world. None of the major conferences were really looking for people to come into their conferences, at least, especially from the group of five yeah. level because they had what they needed. It wasn't until the SEC made a huge move in acquiring Texas and Oklahoma that it just kicked off a huge domino effect to where the Big 12 was like, all right, we got to bring in we got to bring in more programs now, otherwise we're going to be completely irrelevant sure. without those two. And then the Big Ten's like, oh shoot, the SEC's doing that. Let's go add USC and UCLA. And then the Pac-12's like, wait, what the heck? You just took all of our right. I understand. Yeah, it's I nuts.
0: understand. And it's always like, you know, we eighty twenty rule, right? It, it's going to be it's going to be the top twenty percent is always going to drive the majority of revenue for those conferences and. Um you know mm-hmm. it, and from what i understand u c l a and u s c came to the big ten first now, I don't know if that's one hundred percent true that's just what the reports say it wouldn't surprise um, me but uh but yeah it's it's so interesting and I'd love to go on your pod sometime to talk about this because this is, this is not fantasy football related at all, but it's a fantasy good, football it's a good a conversation to have though, because this is the type of stuff that we need to be thinking about if we're going to be progressive fantasy football players and be more effective in developing our lineups as a whole. Cause the, all the college level feeds these guys. So I'm not going to, yep. I'm not going to get to your next option because I want to ask you about Three other guys that you did not mention in particular. Well, two. That's Duke, totally Duke fine. I can forget about yeah. Todd Everybody Tanner does. Morgan and Tommy DeVito pl- have played a lot of college football. And I think yes. that I could see them. I don't know necessarily backup roles, but I definitely see them being on practice squads or something like that. Like these are the, these two guys in particular, they stuck around for that extra year plus the COVID year and I, you, you, you get what I'm saying. These guys, I feel like, are gonna linger. I get what you're saying.
1: I am more interested in Tanner Morgan than I am okay. in Tommy DeVito. I've never been particularly impressed with Tommy DeVito. Tanner Morgan, you remember, there was a really good Absolutely. year for Minnesota a yeah. couple years back, where Tanner Morgan was kind of putting up some good numbers. Again, I could look it up here in a second, or yeah, you can I'll while do. I'm talking. Um, but basically, there were there were people who were ready to put him in their first-round mocks. They, they were way too early wow. mocks and everything, and by the time the next season rolled around, that hype had completely died by that point. But to your point, and this kind of goes back to uh, Kyle Vantrese a little bit as well, as well as Chase Bryce, multi-year starters at the college football level is something to kind of look for, especially in a quarterback, because you want to take shots on guys that... I would say are comfortable being in that position, especially at a power five level. Like Tanner Morgan was a multi-year starter from Minnesota in one of the most physical conferences at the college football level. And that's, that's the big 10 he's again, obviously it's still a huge jump from the college level to the NFL level, but even still he's more prepared than I would say, you know, like some, somebody who had one really good year at the group of five level. And you're
0: taking the shot on yeah. that guy. So, so. sophomore year, for Tanner Morgan, he had 30 touchdown passes, seven interceptions, QBR rating of 178.7. That's what would have been drawing those first round mocks. Um, yep. Honestly, I wonder what those conversations with uh, with PJ Fleck were like. Um, gosh, he he is one of the most manipulative coaches that I think is in college football. And I, I know I say that as a Wisconsin fan. I'm not, a, I don't like I would say there's no I, bias here I don't like P.J. Fleck. It's No surprise there. Um, but it's just a shame because then I'm pretty sure he got hurt that next year. He only had seven games, and then he came back for his yeah. senior seat. That was the co- – oh, no, wait. That might have been COVID year, though, too. Um, yeah, yeah it's Either way, though, he could have declared, and he probably would have gotten better optics than what he's dealing with now. I mean, shoot, like Trey Lance got drafted, and so – it's just one of those things i don't know well
1: you got to remember it and the nfl level it's a lot of times um a lot of times projection over production yes. which yep. is why trey lance got as high as he did tanner morgan the dude's a statue like you're not this this is not an athletic guy he had one really good year of throwing the ball but then for the most part minnesota went back to its ground and pound ways especially once they got mohammed ibrahim yes. back so i think that's kind of where things went and it, again Like you said, probably a little bit of getting banged up, him not having a great year in 2020, definitely brought down all the expectations
0: from then on. And he just never really bounced back from that. But again, like I said, he could be like kind of a Brock Purdy. You never know what happens at the NFL level. You know, like one, two starter backup goes down. All of a sudden, oh, here's Tanner Morgan. He's played a lot of ball. He, He can... He has mm-hmm. a good, he has, but he has the between the ears that you would want out there on, on the field, even though, you know, the production didn't really translate his last two seasons. So, yeah. yeah. And then, like I said, Tommy DeVito, I probably okay. would, I wouldn't bet on Tommy DeVito. Perfect. Yeah, no, he, honestly, he was just the glorified uh, handoff to Chase Brown anyway. So, yeah. Um, or or a
1: negative three three-yard screen yeah. pass to isaiah Williams, <laughs> who then would take it 20 yeah. yards down the field we we
0: we're, we're 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 a big chase chase brown podcast right now i'm excited for for his potential at the next level um dude, I was hoping
1: he'd come back for one more year dude there, there, that's what sucked this year for us on the college fair. side like i'm looking i'm looking at over here of the top 20 uh right, of the top 24 running backs 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 15 16 17 of them are declared for the NFL wow. were out of eligibility this year so like we lost a lot of our top guys and like guys like Tajay Spears, Deuce Vaughn, Chase Brown. I was like,
0: one of you come back, come on, somebody. No, I, I know. And none of them And did. Uh, it's interesting because one of the other guys I have on this podcast regularly, uh, Byron Cobalt. Shout out Byron. He, him, and I have talked about the fact that the running back position is getting younger and it's going to continue to get younger at the NFL level because of how much tread you have on the tires at that position. You yep. have to capitalize on that um, on that market cap potential to get an ROI on what you're doing on the field. And the best way to do that, get to the league when you're 21. As soon as you turn 21, yep. no matter what you've done or where you've been, get, get on an NFL roster and just... You just let your availability be your ability at that point, you know. And and if you and if yep. you can be a difference maker, teams will teams will sign you up. Uh, I I know we were we were spoiled this year in fantasy football with Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler being in their upper twenties doing so well at this stage of their career, but I don't anticipate that happening regularly, no. um, as we've seen a very strong sample size not work out uh it's it's tough to it's tough to gauge the running back position in the nfl um so let's talk about
1: well it's why it's why
0: fans don't want
1: no. their teams drafting even guys like Bijan robinson who i love we all love Bijan robinson yeah. but like all the fans that i've seen where they like the mocks have their team taking in the first round they immediately get upset because they're like we can't with running backs we don't expect more than a five-year investment yep like with other guy with other positions we could get a guy that we could possibly get for starting for us for a decade yeah
0: which which makes the running back position interesting because we could see some of these lower round guys actually come out and produce the same way that we saw uh, just we saw it in the league this year and oh my gosh a fantasy football podcast not remembering the dude out of rutgers who was running for the Chiefs. I'm mind blank right now. What's his name? Rutgers running back. Oh, Isaiah Pacheco. Pacheco. Oh, my gosh. Wow. G- brain fart there. Yeah, like Pacheco, seventh round guy, all of a sudden starts making waves in training camp for the Chiefs and yeah. ends up being the perfect complimentary back to McKinnon and just forget Edwards Allaire at this point, honestly. Who they drafted in the first I round. Know. And then they have Pacheco, who was drafted in the seventh. It doesn't matter for running yep. backs. It, 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 well, it does, but at the same time, it doesn't. And, uh, it, it's interesting because you got some guys that have some interesting history. I want to start with the most productive oh, yeah. one here, though, in, um, Xavier Valade from Arizona State. I think his, he has the size that he could have the success in the NFL. Um, so I'll let you go off about him.
1: So, you're right about him being by far the most productive out of these guys. You're talking about a multi-year starter over at Wyoming. Here's why I kind of get where some people might be excited about him. Again, Arizona State pr- produced Rashad White. A lot of people very excited about him. Uh, you can say a lot about Herm Edwards in his time at Arizona State. He developed running backs very, very well. And he made sure that he fed one guy very, very well. Here's why I'm a little hesitant with Valaday. Valaday started to lose his job after being a multi-year starter at Wyoming, three years as a starter, to Titus went Titus Swen was just straight up outproducing him with less carries at Wyoming in 2021. And it was very clear that Valaday would not be the main guy if he were to turn one more year. So he hightailed it out of there, went over to Arizona State. I was skeptical he couldn't even win that job. He did prove me wrong there, so he maybe he could prove me wrong in the long, long term. But you're talking about tread on the tires. This is a guy that has well over 700 carries at the college level. You want to talk about somebody that has seen some wear and tear throughout the years? This is your guy right here. And again, he's he has good, um, good overall uh, efficiency. Again, he's averaged pretty much right at five, five and a half yards per carry pretty much his entire year. So you like to see that. But at the same time, like we said earlier... If there was something there, I feel like NFL teams have won- would have wanted to get a look at him at the NFL Combine. He is a he was a power five back this past year, so it's not like he was flying under the radar for them. I am skeptical for him. That's
0: that's kind of my thoughts. Why do you think Wyoming was running with Swen more than him? Because I'm looking at Swen's measurables and in comparison, you would have thought that this would have been actually a pretty strong duo between the two of them. Um, It pretty
1: much has to do with the fact that Swen was averaging a yard per carry more than Valaday was. And again, just that that offense was already pretty anemic for the most part. And so a lot of times they just needed Swen, who was just slightly more explosive than them. To kind of get things going, and again, if I could look up their 2021 stats real quick, yeah, again, like out of the basically, Sven took over the last four games of the season, and Validate just
0: completely disappeared for that. That's interesting because Sven also declared. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um,
1: yeah, there, there, there was some stuff going on there with Sven as well because he first and en- he first entered the transfer portal. Very clearly, was upset with the coaching staff. Didn't find any takers in the transfer portal, and so then just decided to declare for the NFL draft. He's not one I would invest in either. No,
0: I wouldn't. Me neither. But more for off-the-field stuff than anything else. All right. Um, Speaking of off-the-field, let's talk about Kalan Laborn. Talk about off-the-field. This guy has a history. Yeah, this is, Caelan LeBourne's a
1: real interesting one. This is the only guy we will be talking about today that was a former five-star player. He was a five-star running back in the 2017 freshman class, spent two years at Florida State, transferred, and then basically went off the grid for multiple, multiple years before he ended up at Marshall this past year and likely would have played the backup role to their previous starter, Rashina Ali, but Rashina Ali dealt with some undisclosed injury, personal stuff. It was never quite clear from the coaching staff what happened there. Laborn came in, he impressed the coaching staff a ton, and basically just took over that um, that power that power back role that they had Ali doing the year before. Three hundred and two touches, fifteen hundred yards, sixteen touchdowns. They just rode Labourn the entire way this past year. And unlike Validay, Laborn really only has one season like this. Again, 300 carries is a lot in one season. But during his time at Florida State, he never really got above 50 carries in a season. And so he took some time off, came back, performed well for Marshall. This is a guy that I would kind of keep an eye out for in the later rounds of your rookie drafts, like you said Brandon, there with running back it doesn't matter as much if he can get in there and start impressing coaching staffs I think I could easily see leborn earning a role
0: in the right system, yeah, and I think that you know most rookie drafts only go three rounds I know some that might go a little deeper if you're in those deep rookie drafts, I think leborn is is probably the top one to go for because of that. I I wonder what happened to him between that FSU stint and Marshall, if it was like personal issues or maybe he did ju- the, you know, the junior college for, you know, the last chance you for a little bit to, to get his stock mm-hmm. back. Uh, we'll, we'll never, we might never know the full story, but I, I, if this guy comes from some history and he's really kind of turned himself in the right direction and continues to work like that, we've seen some pretty strong success stories come out of that, those situations. So um, I'm rooting for him personally because I love watching good football. And if you can produce that uh, I'm on, I'm on board. Um, Let's yeah. yeah. I think you make a, I think you make a great
1: point. Like, again, this is, this is still a former five-star running back. There was tons of talent here at some point. And I think you could do a lot worse than a guy, a former talented five-star running back on in the midst of a comeback story compared to a lot of guys that you could get in like the fifth, sixth round of your rookie My drafts.
0: big concern is his size. I want to see him over 200 pounds personally before mm-hmm. at the NFL level college. You can be any weight you want to at the NFL. Then yeah. you need to start looking at, you know, the weight measurables because those hits come a little harder, but yeah, it's, it's well, if it makes you feel better, according to ESPN, I just looked it up
1: here. He is listed at 511, 212. Wow,
0: pounds. Okay, because what I'm looking at says 198, but I'm going to take yours as uh more accurate, so we'll run with that. Um, if he, if he, if he, let me, let me, let me look to see what they have he's around on there, uh, that's what you'd want, that's what you'd be looking for for a prototypical NFL back. And mm-hmm. 40 time isn't necessarily as relevant because if you can. You can be shifty, make that first guy miss. It's not as you don't need to have, like, lightning, Tyree kill speed always at the running back spot. Nope. It helps, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. On on the official Marshall uh, roster page, he's listed at two. Okay, I'm taking that. That's a good sign. Really good sign. All right, let's t- talk about a really fun offense. Uh, Fresno State had... Uh, Jordan uh, Mims. Love the Bulldogs. I know they, they had some they had some gamers this year. Um Jordan Mims, give us the breakdown on him. So another guy here where it kind of took a while for him to earn the starting
1: role. Pretty much his last year of eligibility. Uh finally like Ronnie Rivers finally moves on. He gets his chance and does well with it. 261 touches or uh carries, 1370 yards, 18 touchdowns. Has a little bit of receiving pedigree as well. He Had twenty-one catches, one hundred twenty-six yards, and an additional touchdown right there. I'm not again. I like I liked Jordan Mims as a college fantasy asset only. Sure, I was never really somebody. He was never really somebody I was looking at and saying that okay, you're going to be somebody that the NFL is going to come calling. Yeah, you for. definitely. I wouldn't say he's my least favorite out of the three that we're talking about, but like he kind of is relatively in the same vein as Valaday. Okay just watching him play i'm like you're great for a mountain west back that i know is going to get a crap ton of volume but that's pretty much about it so i wouldn't i wouldn't push too hard with jordan Mintz. i mean uh, yeah. again there's a reason why it took a while him a while to get
0: to over the a thousand yard rusher in the mountain west it's nothing to like stick your nose up at but but no. y- y- you're you're bringing him in as an undrafted cat it's not you i don't think you're you're spending a a draft pick on him Unfor- unfortunately, you know uh, and like I said, like d- take this in a vacuum audience. we're not trying to trash these guys, but we're trying to find no. value where where it's not necessarily going to be apparent. These are nobody's first choices for oh, the no. draft um, on NFL's on NFL team's draft boards. And they really shouldn't be on your fantasy draft board, but I would just want to bring awareness to the names that there's potential here. And it, you know, it's going to be funny because some of these guys we're talking about, you might be looking at a at at Leborn, and like he might not even be on your platform come time rookie drafts because he might not they they might until 53 man rosters come out. It that's that's how deep we're getting here, and. This is just the type of value that I want to keep bringing to the show. So um, hope you're here for it. Buckle up because the wide receivers, this one's a little bit more interesting. A lot of these guys probably going to be punt returners tops. But I think, you know, kicking things off, you had Keelan Stokes and he was my top guy that wasn't a combine guy. So let's get started with him uh, coming out of Tulsa. What were your thoughts on him?
1: I think that if he didn't get injured, he probably like if he hadn't dealt with some injury uh stuff over the over the years, he probably would have been a okay. guy that um went to the NFL earlier than he did. I think that Stokes probably out of the 3 we're talking about here um probably would be the best bet, I would say. Again, like like you said, we're we're talking about guys that I can't even really see him in an NFL uniform for the most part. Or, we're quite frankly probably turning into a USFL XFL fantasy podcast here for, <laughs> for, for today, with most of these guys. But I didn't. I I do like Stokes again. I think his up and down injury history is a little bit of concern for the most part. But again, he had one final good comeback year for this year: seventy six catches, twelve hundred yards, eight touchdowns. Uh I think again Tulsa is in the AAC, which out of the group of five conferences I would say is top the tier toughest out of, of that the bunch. bunch. Yeah. Top top tier out of that bunch. So if you're performing there, you're doing pretty you're doing pretty well for yourself. Compare like there are other group of five guys that people are talking about as like legitimately um as legitimately draftable guys that I'd honestly put Keelan Stokes Relatively in the same boat as, like, again, I'm not talking about day two guys, God no, but I'm talking about like in the seventh round. It would not shock me at all if Keelan stokes somebody took a shot. Yeah,
0: I I feel like I'd rather take uh Nico Romigio as I was saying earlier before we started recording, uh, because from a yeah. measurable standpoint, at this point, I'm looking at a guy that's a punt returner, you know, and that's the mm-hmm. and that's why I think he must have had the injury issues that he had is because you look at his size, he is tiny for for a receiver Mm -hmm. and that's true it's just the the height weight measurables in college it's yeah he's over 200 pounds but that durability component is just wasn't there so if he gets on a roster can show out as a punt returner more credit to him i don't know if that's going to happen i think he'll get a shot like he'll get brought in a camp somewhere i bet but it's going to be it's going to be tough like he's going to have to really prove himself same with remigio but i just think those two guys were pretty similar from a height weight production measurable um but like i said we're talking returners here now the other now i have one more guy that i'll bring up too but i want to talk about um elijah Coors. you brought up uh his size he has some size which is what nfl teams are looking for so what were your thoughts on him at san jose state so I so Elijah
1: Cooks oh, Cook sorry cook is guy. some no it's okay um so basically the story with him is that he goes and plays for Nevada with Jay Norvell who runs kind of an air raid type system over there and in his third year was ready or no his second year popped off like 900 receiving yards looked like he was gonna be that next guy. I know um, uh, Romeo Dubes came out of Nevada as well so a lot of people were kind of looking at him as like okay if Romeo Dubes can get drafted so can like a guy like elijah cook and and it's well, actually he gets Dobbs injured.
0: beyond contrary belief yeah, because he's a packer it's Dobbs yeah I, don't, uh, no, no. <laughs> I had to I had to get my grammar correction in there because I misread your handwriting it's all good though no, it's all good. Um, but
1: again, Cooks gets injured the very next year and just never bounces back in Nevada. Uh, he and Jay Norvell, I think, clearly had a falling out for the most part because Jay Norvell goes over to Colorado State, uh, after Cooks's fifth year and brings pretty much the entire Nevada offense with him with his, uh, next up at QB, brings up some of their top receivers and, um, Cook says, nah, I'm going to San Jose State. I'm going to bring Justin Lockhart with me, the two of them. Both guys that were productive at one point for Norvell kind of fell off, and they said, nah, we're not following you. You've already kind of put us on the back burner once. We're going to do our own thing. They go over to San Jose State. They're both uh, the top two options over there. The thing I was worried about with Cooks last year, because I didn't draft him in college fantasy leagues. I actually went with Lockhart a few more, was because Cooks had two years of getting injured there. And so the fact that he came back and had a full season was definitely a good sign for anybody investing him this year. But again, he has really good size, but speed has never really been his has really has been his game again. He plays in the Mountain West when you're six, 215 pounds as a receiver money. You're pretty much reaching over. You're you're just reaching over a lot of the quarterbacks that you're playing against. He's a former two-star, so you're not looking at a ton of recruiting or talent pedigree here. Again, guys guys can improve as years goes along, but again, you are talking about a six-year guy here. This isn't somebody that just blew up and then was an early declarer for the draft. I like Cooks, but I always liked him as a college player. I'm not somebody who I'm going to be doing a ton of work with in the NFL. All
0: right, and then lastly, you had Thornton coming out of JMU. Yes. What do you see from him?
1: So Chris Thornton is one of the more interesting ones because again with some of these guys you don't see like you don't see that early pop they're they're six year guys they have really good last year but they didn't have that early pop and especially with receivers I know over at campuscanton.com we have a huge thing about popping off early. We have a year 10 where you have to hit certain metrics as a freshman in order to not be considered a year 10. When you become a year 10 you are like your odds of being drafted and becoming fantasy relevant in the NFL, like plummet. Like we're talking about like less than 5% chance of being somebody in the NFL. And we can tell that after the first year of college production, really cool stuff over campus We'll, we'll talk about that kind of stuff later, but Thornton pretty much every year that he has been outside of high school, outside of the years where he had to sit because of transfers, he's been super, he's been very productive. Um, again, VMI, Freshman year, 85 receptions, almost 1,000 yards, four touchdowns. First year at James Madison. I noticed that with the VMI years, yeah. Exactly. And then he he transfers over to James Madison. Not a starter immediately, but 26 receptions, almost 500 yards, three touchdowns. That's a – like like for not being a starter, that's a pretty respectable stat line. And then the last two years, just absolutely monster numbers for him. Uh, 2021 especially, 1,000 yards, 83 receptions, 13 touchdowns. This past year – uh, touchdown regression came for him unfortunately but still hit that thousand yard mark again he is definitely somebody that i think that if he lands in the right situation or if the right team signs him and you're doing your you're doing your rookie mock drafts like after the season after the drafts, he might be somebody that i could be pretty interested in the main thing though with him and I'm sure you're about to bring this up, Brandon is the fact that he is pretty State short. you talk about a five, on, eight yeah. guy over here. Yeah.
0: That's it's not, so it's not looking good for his potential. Um, probably like you said, XFL, USFL podcast occasionally this episode. And uh, yeah, that's paramount with him. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. I, like I said, it, not a lot of five, eight guys survive in the NFL for a reason. Um, nope. It's just the weight component; they really can't keep it on. Um, I guess, like, I'm gonna give you a couple other guys. I want to know your thoughts on these guys here five Five guys: at CJ me. Johnson out of uh, East Carolina, Tyler Hudson Louisville, Gavin Holmes Baylor, uh, Keaton Thompson Virginia, Jesse Matthews uh, San Diego State University. Anybody out of that bunch look promising? I know I just threw a lot of names at you there, but. but- I, would
1: yeah. he th- he th- he, I was expecting like two sorry. names. I was expecting sorry.
0: five. Um, can you say that, say that yeah, one more so time?
1: I just, when I was running my metric. Johnson got him. Inv- CJ C. Johnson got invited to the combine though. I he thought. might have, but uh, I'm actually, I think he did. If, if, if he He's the best out of the bunch in okay. my opinion, yeah. regardless. You're talking about a guy that immediately popped as a freshman, kind of had some off the field stuff that kind of kept him from really building on okay. that. But he wouldn't surprise me think, at all and, if he got drafted yeah. in like the. And fifth, now that sixth you round. mention
0: it, I think he was at the combine, and it just might have been an issue with my spreadsheet here. So, yeah, these these other guys, they were just on. They're just seniors off of uh off of their you know respective you know power five teams outside of San Diego State University, probably like you know halfway decent college players, but probably not playing football again. So um i just figured you know mention it yeah I, I wasn't really in love with any of the other names that you were i totally saying. get it all right let's do tight ends really quick and then let's talk Devi and campus yep. to canton um i'm i'm not i don't know with, with tight end and cff cff's my my, my i know i know we'll, we'll talk cff too um so well we'll the tight end i feel like i'm really circling the drain here because <laughs> tight ends is hard at this level but hey Jawan Johnson is 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 gonna he was an undrafted tight end Taysom Hill yep. t- undrafted tight end I know he would have been spec as a quarterback when when this drill when this exercise would have been done that we're doing now but yeah hit me with anything from the tight end spot that you you saw just maybe one or two names I don't think it's worth uh bringing up anymore so yeah
1: no it again, you're talking about for me, I got two guys here from the Mac again, like I said, Mac not your typically strongest uh football conference whatsoever, but when you're at the tight end position, you look for guys that were productive for the most part in college, and you're looking at guys who were utilized well, and Joel Wilson and Jamal Turner are those two guys, both of them have pretty good size here, Jamal Turner, six foot six, two hundred forty five pounds again only about 400 yards uh, in his last year there but again eight touchdowns clearly a weapon to be utilized in the red zone so if there's an NFL team out there that's looking for a guy that has that kind of background I think maybe you could see them take a shot in. it I doubt it for the most part and then Joel Wilson was really on pace for a monster year this year he got injured about halfway through the season which really sucked but again good size six foot four 250 pounds and really, in just let's see how many game how many games did he play in uh, twenty twenty game log is what I'm looking sure. for. He played in one, two, three, four. Played in nine games. So again, he missed about a quarter of the season there. But again, he was already at forty four uh-huh. receptions, almost five hundred yards, six touchdowns. I think. Both of those guys keep an eye out for, but again, like this is your rookie drafts. Are you really spending, you're already pressed to be drafting the tight ends that got drafted, let alone the guys that are likely not to be drafted at all. I'm kind of with you, Brandon. I'm willing to kind of move on past these guys for the most part.
0: All right. Elevator pitch time. Let's start. Let's start with uh, CFF. What do you do with uh, Campus to Canton on the CFF side of things? So basically, I am the
1: lead, uh, CFF team lead over at campussecanton.com. And you might be asking, Jared, what is CFF? Well, CFF stands for College Fantasy Football. It is everything that NFL Fantasy Football is and more. Basically, like you run redraft leagues and you focus only on college guys. You are drafting from... And you can, it can be a variety of different things. I, I play in leagues where you draft from all 133 FBS teams. I know people who draft only from Power Five leagues, but that's basically the gist of it. You're you're playing you're playing redraft, but you're playing it with college players. Side tangent. Uh, and there's tangent. also dynasty and keeper. Yeah. Leagues side
0: tangent well. on that. Fantrax does a great. So Fantrax is the only platform you yes. can use for this um, audience. And uh, um, yes, sir. It, it's an imperfect platform, but it it gets the job done. Um, that's that that you you got to live with it and uh, it's 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 great for scouting uh potential talent that's up and coming and you can customize the league to have as many conferences as you want as many teams as you want it's it's yep. it's i'd say from a customize from a customizability standpoint it gives you the option to do anything you want with the league and that goes for NFL college mm-hmm. fantasy football basketball it's, it's one of the craziest platforms that just lets you customize any feature you want. That, that
1: I agree, is one of the big selling points about Fantrax. Like you said, it's an imperfect site. Not every tool and not every feature that they have works 100% of the time. Uh, but again, they have, they have a good customer service. You can talk to them and everything if something were to happen. Uh, and then in terms of it being the only college fantasy site, that is true as of right now. A lot of us in the college fantasy industry are pushing certain uh, fantasy companies to take the shot on college fantasy football. It's one of those things where again, NFL fantasy, obviously it's huge, but once upon a time, NFL fantasy was a niche. Just like everybody says that college fantasy is a niche. All it takes really is just one major company to take the shot on it. And especially with how large betting in college football has grown over the last couple of years, college fantasy football really does feel like that next big thing that some companies are going to take that shot on. So definitely keep an eye out. It's for crazy. That. It, um, it's tur- again, just not to cut
0: you off, but it's crazy that a lot of companies had it available in their suite of fantasy league products and they just took it off. It, it,
1: I can tell you exactly okay, why. Go. And and this is part of the reason why I think things are changing now and things are going back to where they might take the shot on it again. We'll see part of it was, again, there wasn't as much interest in it as like the NFL side of things, because again, it's a harder sport to get into, at least initially, once you play a year, you typically kind of get the hang of it. But um, the big thing was all those companies like Yahoo, CBS, they're American companies. They got to deal with all of the name, image and likeness laws that were there during that time. FanTrax is Canadian. a Canadian yeah. company. Yeah. They can get around a lot of that stuff. So, now with NIL coming around and the possibility of player-wide deals being made because of that possibility now, you are talking about the possibility that some of those companies don't have to don't have to deal with that red tape as much anymore and they are they're considering the possibility of bringing it back
0: obviously it's a huge
1: pitch and a huge risk for them as
0: well wow that's that's interesting and i i, I should have factored that in but yeah that makes sense 100 percent. so campus to canton collectively this the, I, I tell you they take fantasy football to a level that is borderline psychotic but at the end of the day, we're all DGENs if we're listening to these types of podcasts to begin with. So let's, let's just break it down. Um, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll look to bring some of these other guys from campus to Canton on to talk about this in a more robust fashion, but let's just talk, explain, you know, the Debbie, just, uh, just us at a surface level and like, what what you guys all offer at Campus to Canton as we as we as we close out? Just start with Devi. What Devi League is and everything like that.
1: Well, I was just going to say that pretty much the goal of Campus to Canton is that we're going to be able to offer literally everything you will need for your fantasy needs. Like from as the name says, from their time on campus and quite frankly before that, all the way through NFL, we are providing services for pretty much anything you would need. We have the campus um, side of the side, which is where we deal with um, we deal with both Devi and CFF. What's the difference between those two? Devi is the idea of drafting players that are going to make it to the NFL. You're looking at players that have really good, like we talked about earlier, really good measurables, really good athletic skills. These are going to be guys that the NFL want to have on their teams. Versus CFF, the CFF side, basically how a campus Canton League works. I should probably explain that is that it's one big dynasty league that covers both college football and NFL. You have two different teams that are both dynasty formats. So you keep all your players that are drafted on a team year after year. And when your college guys graduate, they move on to your... They just automatically transfer over to your NFL roster. And so you basically have these guys all the way through. The, the CFF side of things basically... You're playing on two different, you're playing two different leagues. You're playing in basically an NFL dynasty and a college fantasy football dynasty as well. And you're, you're basically fighting a war on two fronts. You are trying to win either the NFL side or the college side. CFF is totally about winning the college side. We're only only concerned about which players are going to produce in college fantasy. That's when we bring in guys like Kalen LeBorn. That's when we bring in guys like Jordan Mims that we have no interest in them whatsoever as NFL prospects, but we know for a fact that Fresno State's going to give that Fresno State's going to give Jordan Mims 260 carries. We know for a fact that Herm Edwards, whoever his top running back is going to be, is going to get a ton of volume. <laughs> we love guys like Kyle Van Treese because we know he's in a system that's going to throw for six hundred times, even though none of them are going to ever play it down in the NFL. Pretty much, so that's what CFF is all about. And again, we have we have other stuff as well. We're building out again. The Canton side of everything is the NFL stuff. We have great. Uh, we have great. um people working on that that are providing weekly rankings for the NFL side of things. Uh, All your dynasty needs are over there as well. We have people that are analyzing the NFL draft, both from just a football perspective, as well as a fantasy perspective. We got a ton of great, again, our entire team is just absolute rock stars. I wish I could name every single one of them as I describe this, but, um, and then there's also things like uh, we have a psych That's uh, a portion of the site that's for gaming. So pretty much all your prop bets, all of your spreads, anything like that. That's where you can get all of that. And then the newest portion of the site is the recruiting. And this is where Brandon is going to talk about how much of degenerates we all are. Recruiting is where we're starting to really dive deep into predicting the production of these players from a high school level. We got a great team of guys who are building out a ton of tools over there, and it's pretty much. We're trying to get it to the point where we can rival recruiting services like 247, On3, Rivals, all of them, in terms of how well we are able to predict their production in college and at the NFL level. And I believe last year we beat all three in
0: terms of predicting freshmen that would produce in year one. That's awesome stuff. And honestly, that, those are the tools that you need, especially in Dynasty Fantasy Football, to help you know, yep. really sets your team apart from your fellow league mates. And Jared, you were the perfect guest for this kind of an episode. Uh, hopefully, you know, we're a little closer to the draft when this comes out. But yeah, this was this was awesome. I'm really happy to have plugged in with you in particular and uh, looking forward to just diving more into what Campus to Canton has to offer. Uh, check them out, everybody. canton.com for just that that that's that secret underground information that's the secret sauce that makes everything go together from a fantasy football standpoint and jared we can't be grateful enough for you stopping by tonight um without further ado where can the people follow you on twitter where can they listen to your stuff yeah, absolutely. And if you're interested at all in
1: college fantasy, whether it is CFF, Devi, campus to Canton leagues, anything you can co- find me on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared. I run best balls on the college side, which in my opinion are a great way for people to get into college fantasy. You just draft a team and you forget about it. The rest of the season, you just watch which players are doing well, which ones aren't whoever has the highest score at the end of the season. You, you, uh, will win a prize there but again it's a great low stakes environment we have a great time in all of the group chats i set up with that so definitely reach out to me and if again if you're interested in Devi campus can leagues reach out to me and i'll get you to people that know even more than what i know about those kind of leagues don't worry about stuff like that you can also follow my podcast at chasing the natty on twitter um, and you can find that podcast pretty much anywhere you listen to your podcast we do college football analysis college fantasy football analysis year round a lot of people they'll take a break during the off season not us or weekly podcast full year round we talk about all sorts of stuff that'll help you in all types of leagues so definitely check all that awesome
0: out. jared thanks so much for stopping by have a great rest of your evening appreciate it brandon it's been awesome